You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. A little introduction to our series. How many have one of the booklets? Do you see mine? Mine looks really good, doesn't it? Right there. There you go. You know, the, the thing that I really like about this year's Advent series is it's, it's really an opportunity for you to get apart with the Lord. It's not so much what happens in the sanctuary as what happens when you're at home, alone, privately with the Lord. It gives you some wonderful uh, blank lines to just record what the Lord's revealing to you, the things that he's showing to you in your heart, the things that he's communicating from his heart to your heart, his spirit to your spirit. And it, it, it just going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. I think uh, right where we are as we're, as we're longing to increase our level of intimacy with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is going to be a wonderful little tool to just help us make that step in, in a nice practical way. <clears throat> so the, the title is Invitation. It's God's invitations to us. The purpose is, is for us to connect intentionally through the invitation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to connect with them and see the manifestation of that connection and what happens in our lives when we fully get united with Him. Not only between ourselves uh, and the Lord, but also corporately with one another, seeing what takes place there. We're looking for the day that... Uh, as we go through, I, I don't know how you guys are, sometimes I go through the day, you know, and it's, it's like that V8, V8 commercial. It's like, oh, you know, I could have had a V8. You know, and, and it's, it's like we're going along through, through life, and all of a sudden we, we don't realize that the Lord's been inviting us all day to something. He's inviting us all the time. His invitation is, is continuously going out drawing us to himself to know him for all that he is and all his love and all his truth and all his glory, just to, to know him. But oftentimes, you know, we, we don't realize it. So as, as we're, we're talking about invitations, just realizing that hour by hour, minute by minute, he's inviting you into something. And, and seeing with a heart that says, Lord, I'm hungry to see what you're inviting me into. I want to know what is it that you want me to see? What is it that you want to show me about yourself? What is it you want to show me about myself? What is it that you want to show me about those that I come across as I'm just going through my normal marketplace kind of living? What is it that, that you want and you're inviting me to come and to see from your perspective? We don't know we're invited to one, see what God sees. He really wants us to see what he sees. We've, we've been looking at that. You know that that's been my pursuit now for over a year, probably longer than that, but definitely intentionally for over a year. I'm trying to see more intentionally into the spirit realm to see what Father's doing, to, to see what's going on, see, see what's happening in the kingdom of God, how it's manifesting in the moment. And so we want to see. 
And we want to see what God sees. We want to see from his perspective. Because when we see what he sees, it, it has a way of affecting our hearts. When we see what God sees, it, it will break our heart when we see from his perspective. Especially some of the stuff where we see strife and division and, and uh, where people are treating each other in less than loving ways. It, 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 we see what he sees because we're going to care about what God cares about. And as we see what the Lord sees, we're going to be able to care the way he cares. There's something beautiful about caring the way the Lord cares. How many have seen the movie Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody see Mr. Rogers yet? If you haven't seen that, you got to see it. You will sit in, in the presence of uh, a true story where you see a man who really saw people the way the Lord saw people. The, the thing that just cracked me up was his patience. I, you know, I get in such a hurry. Sometimes I try to be so productive that I'm trying to be efficient and productive and crank it out and go, 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 go. But one of the manifestations that the Holy Spirit just released as I watched uh, Mr. Rogers was this guy was never in a hurry. And he had, he had time pressure as far as TV time allotments. And yet he was so patient and so patient. It was just so amazing. And I just loved the way he, when you were with him, you were the most important thing that he cared about. Do you know that's the way the Lord is with you? And as we see the Lord being that way with us, it creates an invitation for us to be that way with others. Anybody get a little impatient with certain people? Yeah, yeah. You get a little impatient and it's like, but when you see from the Lord's perspective, it's amazing that we're then able to care the way he cares and to care about the things that he cares about. And then we're able to help any and every person that we come across as we're walking alongside with God. Now, I like the way they worded this because it's like if we're supposed to help everybody, I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed. The sense of need is just so great. There's so many hurts. There's so much brokenness in our world. It could just swarm, just smother us. We could just get suffocated with all the, the need and, and just the brokenness that's out there. Ah. Uh, but we're to care for those as we're walking alongside of him makes all the difference in the world. Now we see from his perspective. You may go across uh, 12 different hurting needs, but then the Lord highlights from his perspective which one he wants you to address. <clears throat> now to me, this is profound. If, if you don't get this, we have an adversary who likes to come and impersonate angels of light. And they will draw us to the one that we're not equipped to help. <laughs> that, that the Lord's not leading us to help. Because the enemy knows that as he leads us and we see it and we see the need and then we feel this religious compulsion to do something about it, then we get ourselves all worked up and he knows that this is going to exhaust us. 
This is just going to wear us out and we're probably going to see very little fruit. But when the Lord highlights the one and says, this is the one, he gives you what you need in the moment to go to that one. So I like that. It's, 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 it's not a mandate that you have to meet every need you come across today, but you have to be open to meet the needs that as you're walking with the Lord, he highlights and says, let's go over there and bless this person. Let's go over and do something about that need. And now our sense of what we're doing in service and rendering to God is not based on just the human condition and the human need that's there. It's coming out of a relationship with him, not our to-do list that religion says we've got to do. We, we've got to go and do boom, boom, and you, and you get the list. You can get exhausted that way. But as we're walking with the Lord, he lays on our heart, he directs our steps, and he gives us the direction where we're supposed to go. Now we had a little thread going through our text messages yesterday. Has anybody known that it looks like the enemy stepped up his game around here? Uh, anybody notice that? It's just like <laughs> checks out with a crazy nerve condition. Uh, you know, we've, we've got Gloria was fighting what her whole family and Devi and Ken had fought some kind of viral bug that was going around and, and everything. And so we're, we're, we're going through all these things and it's like, what are we going to do? And I said, it's payback time, folks. It's payback time. It's, it's, it's something, it's a lesson that Robbie Dawkins taught us years ago. When Robbie was going somewhere to speak for a weekend on healing, and as he was landing, he would feel like he's coming down with the flu, he'd call his sons, and he'd say, boys, it's payback time. The enemy's trying to dump an illness on me, because he wants to keep me from proclaiming the healing power of Jesus. And so the boys, what his boys did, you remember? They go down to the emergency room at the hospital and they'd start praying for people that are in line to get emergency help. And he says, at first, you know, the, the hospital workers would shoo him out of, of the room because, you know, they're, they're messing with people. But because of their faithfulness and because of the power of God that was released on so many people that were in the waiting room, <clears throat> they looked forward to when the boys came. They looked forward to that time because they knew that their load was gonna get lightened because <laughs> they're gonna empty the ER room with the healing power of, of the Lord Jesus. And I thought, oh, that's great. So it was payback time. So that was what I was declaring, it's payback time intentionally look for what the Lord wants you to do in meeting the needs of those around you. It's not to, to, to go off on as a lone ranger, but with the Holy Spirit, go always, always understand everything that I, I wanna communicate to you is always out of relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus and Father God. You don't do this on your own, but you go with them and you just say, let me see what you want done. What is it, where are you moving? How can I, how can I partner? It, it's payback time. The enemy's trying to put Gloria down before she leads worship. 
we're going to stand and fight and, and release. And so you just start releasing love. You just start releasing love to everyone that you can come in contact with, especially as you see the, the Holy Spirit highlight who it is that he's moving upon. And then we help. We don't realize that we're invited to peace that we can't explain. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that's not dependent upon the circumstances that are around us. That we have an invitation to peace. We have an invitation to a love that never fails. <laughs> Everything else will fail, but love. Love will never fail. Mm. We're invited into a hope that doesn't disappoint. Hmm. And I jumped, I missed that first slide, but that, this would be a good time, slide number two, oh, yeah. where the proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody had a lot of hope and it never came to pass and it just kind of soured in your gut, in your stomach, it was just like, oh. And if, if anybody brought up anything that you had hope in, Instead of, instead of hearing and receiving uh, the proclamation of the hope of the Lord, it sounded like, yuck, keep that to yourself. Don't put any of that on me because I've hoped and I believed and it hasn't come to pass. So don't talk to me about blah, 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 blah. And you just fill in the blanks because the enemy will use that every which way. But a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. Why do we hope against hope? Why do we hope when there is <laughs> no evidence of fulfillment of a hope? It's because we know that a desire fulfilled, a longing fulfilled is like the tree of life. There's something that as hope gets revealed and answered and fulfilled, it establishes something that God intended the tree of life to establish in us in the garden. It causes our roots to go down to believe the Lord for what he says is true and believe him for what he wants to do. I love that about him. Mm. Hope doesn't disappoint, but we can be disappointed while we're waiting for the fulfillment of hope. Mm. So we gotta get intentional. If it doesn't disappoint, but yet we are disappointed, how do we adjust to that? Hmm. Well, you can learn your Bible better. You can go to church more often. You can pray harder. Nah. The only way you really get this is if you just go to him with the disappointment. Lord, I, I, I'm hoping against hope. I, I know that you've spoken this to me and I know it's going to come to pass, but it looks like the window of opportunity is closing. And I don't know how you're going to do it. What do we do? We do what we're always supposed to do. Talk to him about it. We've got to talk to him about it. If we, if we quietly suppress us, like good little religious people, so good. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to bring it up because then the Lord will know that I don't have faith. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to keep it stuffed down and let my disappointment build. But I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. No, 
You got to speak. You got you to get it out. You talk to him about it. Just think if Adam and Eve would have went when the serpent started engaging them and saying, didn't God say, well, I don't know. Let's ask him. You know, what would have happened? What would have happened if, if, if we would learn every time we come to the end of our rope, every time we come into a dilemma, every time there's a, a situation that we don't know how to handle, what do we do? We talk to our Father about it. We talk to the Holy Spirit about it. We talk to the Lord Jesus about it. Guess what? They know. And as the window of opportunity is starting to close, they never get nervous. You never see the blood pressure rise of the Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. Doesn't. Storm's going, he's asleep in the boat. You know, I, I think that should tell us something. He's not just an example for us, he's an example of us. And so it's, let's talk to Father about this. Let's talk to the Holy Spirit. Let's talk to Jesus. Let's engage them and find out what is going on with this deferment in our hope. Mm. Yeah. And then we find a joy that's too great for words. Oh my. A joy that is too great for words. Inexpressible joy. What do you do when there's no words for joy? What do you do when your soul and your spirit and your body is just overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord? What do you do? Dance. Scream, holler, shout. All the different, all the different ways in which we give expression to the in, inexpressible. You know, we, we just let the Spirit bring forth utterance from within and just make a joyful noise. Uh, but I like the dance. There's something, there's something amazing that when the joy of the Lord is so full and you're, you're filled to the very top, there's nothing else you can do. You got to oh, yeah. dance. Or clap mm. hands like you got the rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> Dynamite. Mm -hmm. A joy that is too great for words. These are the invitations that we have through this Advent season and, and beyond. It's always invitations to see, to hear, to know, to remember, to gaze upon, to receive the peace, the hope, the joy, the love. <laughs> all that we have that lies before us. Well, the hope of the Messiah, <clears throat> we find in Isaiah 9, he says, for, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Oh, do you like that? Just, just sit right there. He's the Wonderful Counselor. He is so wonderful. Thine Almighty. Be careful who you go to for counsel. Make sure you go to the one who's wonderful. Wonderful counselor. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Right on. 
mighty God. Mm-mm-mm. The Almighty. Everlasting Father. He never ceases being a father to us. The Prince of Peace. Mm. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Hmm. That's the New Living Translation. Yeah. The hope of the Messiah. The hope of the Messiah. And this is who he is. And then (laughs) Jeremiah in chapter 33 says this, the day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I have promised them. Put your name in there, in the place of Israel and Judah. (laughs) The day will come when I will do for Chuck all the good things I have promised him. Oh, I like that. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. Hallelujah. (sighs) Yahweh said canoe. The Lord is our righteousness. He's the righteous one. I don't know about you, but the, that word righteousness is becoming more and more precious in these days. Understanding the righteousness of Christ that's ours. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That there is a righteousness that is the essence of who Jesus is that as we receive him as Lord and Savior, in the new birth, there is, a, there is a, an impartation of righteousness. There is an imputation of righteousness. Something that goes into the very core of us and something that comes upon us. We get righteousness from the inside working out and righteousness on the outside working in. We get cocooned in a holy holy dynamic of righteousness because Jesus lives in us and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And so we get a double dose of holy righteousness. So here we move to today's invitation, the invitation to hope that Simeon had. Simeon had been told by the Lord that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Oh, a promise that he lived every day for. Notice the dynamics of this as we read from Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, that very day, it was that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. Hmm. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. It's nice to be at the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm. You kind of get the feeling with the, with the next pericope, the next paragraph that follows, that, uh, that Anna was just always in the temple. She was always in the temple. Simeon was probably often in the temple, but at this time he was led by the Holy Spirit to be in the temple. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Can you imagine that? You got your baby, you're coming for baby dedication. You're dedicating your baby to the Lord. And all of a sudden, some prophet just takes the baby and just starts prophesying incredible, wonderful, amazing stuff. <clears throat> then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Wow. Simeon had waited his whole life for the promise of the Messiah. Over 400 years from the last prophetic word, then there'd been silence all this time. And yet he heard a word from the Lord. The spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And he held on to that promise. I think the encouragement for all of us as we make personal application is there's probably things that the Lord has spoken to you <clears throat> that the enemy can point to all the different reasons why you should give up hope. You shouldn't continue to hope for that because look at the track record. Look how many years have gone by. Look, it looks like it's getting darker the opportunity for light to break into the situation. It looks like human beings have just canceled the opportunity, but God. You know, I love the conjunction, but God, but God. So you never know how God's going to respond. But I want us to hold on to hope. Hold on to the hope that you have. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. We know what's the greatest, it's love. But hope is mentioned right in there with faith and love. It's gotta be significant. It's gotta be something that is really essential for us because we are people of hope. Because we have a hope, not that we hope something's gonna happen, but we have the hope of the person who lives in us. It's a living hope. 
It's not a hope in an ideology. It's not in a hope that, that certain circumstances will come to pass. It is the hope that resides in the presence of the Lord who resides in us. And so we have hope within hope. We have him in our hearts, in our spirit, in our bodies. And so we hope. So we've, I, I say it again this week, we have an opportunity today that you'll never have the rest of your life. Only while you're living on this side of the resurrection, only as you're living on this side of heaven, only as you're living on this side of your mortality, you haven't died. You can have the hope that the Lord extends to us, but not see it, but by faith choose to hold on to it and let hope build and become a living reality in you. You won't do that when you get to heaven. All your hopes will be fulfilled. Everything that has been promised will be actualized. But only now can we show, in a sense, our relationship to the living one by allowing his living hope to abide in us. So that when circumstances and adversaries and other human beings try to discourage and try to influence us to give up on hope, we have a living hope inside that we can hope against all the odds, against all the pressure, against all the stuff from the outside trying to conform us into releasing hope, giving up on hope. But as we hold on to hope, something in us gets rooted that goes beyond just the sheer American Christianity of when things are going well, we're blessed. No, we, we plug into a dynamic of hope that says even when all hell is breaking loose, I hope, I hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Thank you for hope today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this is not a, a, a discipline or some kind of man-worked uh, virtue that we just somehow persevere until we break through to it. We realize that hope comes from heaven. And we just open our spirit and our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and invite you to release that dynamic of hope that's alive and living so that we can hope against all the odds, against everything that comes against us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thine Almighty. Sean Boltz in his book, Through Eyes of Love, writes, Yes, our God can recreate your destiny, making it as if it were new again. And if you'll, and you'll have a place of significance and thrive in life, even in relationships. Even if you were, 
even if you've done terrible things and wasted all your life, you can still have a full redeemed life in God on the earth. Huh? Did you know Christians are the only people who believe that? People from other religions don't believe their God recreates a destiny. How hard it must be for them because they don't have hope. Even if we were living with the result of bad choices and brokenness, we can always have hope that God will enable us to live in fullness, in a freedom that can be felt even when physically imprisoned. Whatever our circumstances are, God can give us a place of significance in our relationship with him and the people we're around. I hope that encourages your heart. Mm. Hope. As the worship team comes and leads us in our last song, I just want to encourage you to hear the invitation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to come into a new level of experiencing the hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.